Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and along with Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations herself, Elise King, we're going to discuss the first episode in the Light and Magic documentary titled Gang of Outsiders. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. We look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Finally, please be sure to check out our T Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it's time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Force Ghost Conversations. And yes, back by popular demand, our own Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations will be back on the other side of this segment to discuss the first episode in the Light and Magic documentary series. So before we get into all of that, it's time to discuss some Star Wars news in the Cloud City Gossip segment. Now, first, before we get into the real nitty-gritty of Star Wars news, we have some Force Ghost Conversation news to share with you all. As I alluded in the preamble, we now have a store. Have you been wanting to buy a t-shirt that says Force Ghost Conversations on it? Are you a fan of our logo? Do you want to have it on a magnet that you put on your refrigerator? If so, this is an amazing opportunity, everybody. We now have a tea public store. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Go to our websites. Go to our, all of our social media channels. It is available the link to the T Public Store that is on all of those places, and I can tell you, it's very exciting. Um, we've got a lot of positive feedback so far about uh, the merchandise that's available. So be sure to check it out and see if anything is up your alley. You know, they got some baseball shirts, some hoodies, sweatshirts, onesies for the little ones, kids stuff too. It's very cool. We'll be posting some more designs on there as we get further into uh, some of our other topics. So Willow, Indiana Jones, but our main Force Ghost Conversations logo is there for all of your Star Wars needs and purposes. So thanks in advance for supporting the show and for literally wearing your support as you go out and about into the world. Now, on to Star Wars news. It was a lighter news week in the Star Wars galaxy. However, two new books were revealed that are tying into the Star Wars Jedi series, the famous uh, Star Wars Jedi video game series, that is, starting with the first one being Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It came out in 2019, and which will be getting a follow-up sequel, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is slated to come out sometime in 2023. So the first is The Art of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, published by Dark Horse, which will chronicle the development of the game, collecting concept art and creator commentary in an oversized full-color hardcover. Behind-the-scenes Tim will hit shelves May 2nd, 2023. Also, Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars, a new novel from Del Rey written by Sam Maggs, finds Order 66 survivor Cal Kestis leading the Mantis crew on an adventure set between the critically acclaimed Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game and the highly anticipated Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Now, Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars arrives May 7th, 2023, and we will continue to cover these books as well as any 
new news announcements from the upcoming game Star Wars Jedi Survivor as they are released. Also, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is going to be re-released into select IMAX theaters for a limited time in advance of Andor premiering on Disney+. Journey back to when we first met Cassie Andor, as well as the incredible journey that leads up to the events of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. This feature will also include a brief look at the upcoming Andor series, which is very cool and exciting. So check IMAX.com to see where the closest cinema is in your neck of the woods if you would like to get tickets. And with, with that, everybody, that is all for the news segment this week. We'll be back on the other side of this episode with, uh, or I should say this break, with our discussion on Light and Magic, Episode 1. Okay, everyone, we are back for our discussion of the first episode of Light and Magic titled Gang of Outsiders. Now, who best to join us on this journey through all the episodes of Light and Magic? You're going to start with us, you're going to be in the middle with us at one point, and you're going to end with us. But who else? Back by popular demand, ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations herself, Elise King. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. I don't know if I'm the best person. I have no mechanical engineering, software engineering, construction, no experience that could provide any insight into this documentary, but I liked it. Well, you like <laughs> movies and you have a PMP, so I... <laughs> They did need a project manager at one point. You, they, they desperately they, needed. Yes, they desperately, they desperately needed, needed a project manager. Uh, we noted that from basically the first episode. I have a lot of ideas. They got they got a lot of ideas and creativity, but not a lot of organization to keep it together. <laughs> well, Elise, thank you so much for joining us on this journey. How does it feel to be? applauded by our audience at Force Ghost Conversations, our trusted listener base that literally begged us to have you back on the show. Well, I think you're exaggerating it a little bit, but I have to say it was a nice little glow, a little afterglow reading those tweets. So thank you, fan base. Um, I think it was like during a weekday too, and I really needed it. Yeah, it was like at nine o'clock. You just got home from hanging out with some friends and... Look what happened. <laughs> they <Okay>. love me. <laughs> okay. Exaggerating again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. That's all I'll say. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, I personally love having you on the show. And I love that we got to go on this journey of light and magic together. And I've got a series of questions here to guide our discussion of the first episode titled gang of outsiders so frankly i just want to start at the beginning what 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 did you know about industrial light magic ilm before we dove into the series i mean i knew they were just a bunch of geniuses who made things look good on screen we had watched some behind the scenes documentaries of other stuff on disney plus like not just star wars but marvel etc etc and they come up all the time also, like, uh, the history of Disney and the history of Disney and Star Wars, like, all those documentaries, you see some of the same, like, people come up again and again mm -hmm. and again. Mm -hmm. So, 
part of it was like, oh my gosh, old faces, old friends. Yeah. Uh, the other part was like, I knew they were smart. Did I know they were Renaissance people who knew everything? No, I should have though. I should have known that. I mean, the trailer gave me goosebumps. The trailer so. was really special. <laughs> Did you know the extent to which all the movies and properties that they had worked on to this point that had formulated your life? <laughs> yes, I did know the extent, but I didn't know to the extent to which they created technology. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. You'll, we'll probably say this quite a few times when we talk about light and magic throughout the podcast, but I just sat there being like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Pause it. Pause. We have to, we have to dissect what I we just to, saw. I have to dissect what I just heard to make sure I understand enough <laughs> to keep watching. Like, uh, I was very impressive. Very good. Very good. And it was really cool seeing E.T. the other day in IMAX. Mm -hmm. And staying through the credits, we were able to pinpoint names of people that we had seen both in the documentary and super featured throughout the show what's in some way shape or form like the group of people that literally created this foundational cinema base and story that has really been impactful in our lives yeah and i think to that point that's the good and the bad of this documentary so warning to to what viewers that we left ET and I was like, this looks so good. And I know the tricks behind it now. <laughs> but then we were watching something else. And I don't know if ILM had any hand in it or not. But then I was like, this doesn't look good. <laughs> I was much more discerning. And at some point I had to like turn to you and say, all right, I'm taking off my cg hat mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i'm just going to watch it for the story and like let's hope the story captures it because as they say in the documentary like you shouldn't really see the effects the effects should yeah. just tell the story exactly it should be a magnifier of the story presented to you as opposed to all of it being the yeah. effects yeah and not exactly. story driven i mean don't want to hate on it but we don't really remember avatar for the story we remember it for the effects and that might be the case where the effects outpace the say that loud and proud because <laughs> i believe it 100 of my heart so but hey we're looking forward to avatar 2 coming out this December. <laughs> subtle plug sure for the nonprofit organization sure. that is the walt disney company yeah yeah i will say though it is astounding to me that um ilm is just they just always pop up all the time and i will to this day i firmly believe that a little bit a little bit of the reasoning that disney was so adamant to buy lucasfilm in 2012 was that industrial light and magic would be an in-house shop for them for all of their other projects look hear, hear me out in this thesis here right if, Let's say this, the sale happens in 2012, right? They get that home discount, whatever it is, yeah. right? It, it's it's in the house. Yeah. Look at those Disney films that have come out since 2012. We're, oh, ta yeah. we're talking like Beauty, Beauty and the Beast w was cheap. Like they were able to make that happen. All the live action remakes. All the ROI is like. Like I think crazy. it's there. The Marvel stuff, like right? It's 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 all in house. <laughs> Especially since like everyone in the business, it seems applauds I&L. Oh, I know. I know? <laughs> Whoa. 
my work that's is, something's seeping in here my work seeping in um ilm like <laughs> they were the first i don't know if they're still the best i have to think they are for what they do they're the only ones that have a documentary about themselves yeah so i'm going to take that as they're winning the game of mm -hmm. this industry but yeah i mean it was a good deal for disney yeah agreed so we're going to transition into some of the other questions I've got here, and they may touch into the spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen Light and Magic, at least the first episode, go watch that. Pause the episode, go watch it now. You will not regret it, let me tell you that. So then come back to this point in the episode so that you are attuned to everything that we will possibly discuss. Now, Elise, I think one of the great things about this series is that it turned these everyday workers into literal rock stars <laughs> what and then, and then frankly this first episode is so foundational it's really setting the stage for the ilm story telling you some of the main players that you're going to see throughout at least the early part of of the series what were some of the big players and perhaps who was the biggest person that stood out to you in this first episode just as a reminder some of the big names were John Dykstra, Richard Edlund, uh, Ken Ralston, Joe Johnston, Lauren Peterson, Phil Tippett, Dennis Murin. Thank you for giving me the names. You're welcome. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to leave you hanging there. Um, Phil Tippett, I think, is just so relatable, and I think his journey through ILM is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he gets into it, I think, in later episodes. Yeah, yeah. But just why he does what he does, the foundation and, like, family he found with an ILM. As someone who, who has grown up in, like, their professional career through small startup nonprofits, it's, like, the energy that ILM created is the energy you always think you're going to have when you're with a ragtag group of people making the world a better place. And mm -hmm. then like mm -hmm. a lot of times bureaucracy gets in the way, even in yes. small organizations, but true. like even the job I have now kind of had that vibe when I first joined and, and, and it's grown to be a bigger organization. And with that comes growing pains and successes and things like that. So it was interesting to just see the foundation of where ILM came from. Um, and I think that's part of the cool thing about all the characters they touch on. It's like you see their professional growth mm -hmm. and how that affects their lives. But yeah, Phil Tippett, um, Dennis Murin, mm -hmm. obviously, is just there's something about him that's so zen. Very zen. They just want to lean in and you're like... Lifelong learner, too. Like you yeah. respect that in the person. I don't know. I don't really want to pick anyone because they really all leaned on each other so heavily. Mm -hmm. They're all super invested in the the work and they are all lifelong winners and Renaissance men. They do freaking everything. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you have a particular person? Well, I, I will say that because of my love of star wars and these properties and behind the scenes tidbits like these people weren't new to me as i imagine some of them maybe were for you yeah it was nice to see more john dykstra because of eventually what happens later which we'll get to in later discussions he's not this is like a, a very unique instance where he's being interviewed and a part of the story like he's not a part of other star wars documentaries that i've watched that's crazy. Unfortunately, because of, I would say, maybe the fallout that happens and just coming to peace with it. So 
he's able at least I'm I'm glad that we're at a point now where he's able to have these very focused and deliberate conversations and and be at peace with really what yeah. what happens. He does have that rock star personality. It came mm-hmm. through even off mm-hmm. the screen. Got the long hair. I mean, very seventies working class vibe in this Van Nuys airport. <laughs> it was also interesting for me to see George Lucas in a different light. <laughs> you know, like I young, stressed out George that is just yeah. In the he's every time they panned him, he's in a corner, just like looking like he wants to curl up into a ball. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I'd seen like the young pictures. I, I see him now, and but I didn't realize how freaking stressful it was to make this movie. For him. You felt the stress sitting. I there. don't know how he did five more films if it was this stressful. Um, but it was also it was just interesting. Again, as like, oh my gosh, my work is leaking into me. Being a project manager, you really talk about team dynamics and like leadership styles, et cetera. And it was very interesting to see him not have all the answers, but being able to find the people who could find the answers. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very important skill to have when you're someone like George Lucas. And I'm glad he trusted his gut and he trusted the people he worked with. But it was all, yeah, it was interesting to see him from like that boss perspective throughout the series as well. But clearly, project management was needed in order to get it you know, done at the end of the day. Lucas wasn't going to be there um, day to day. You need someone. You need someone, you need someone that else. is in like, hey, we we have a deadline on Friday. Like, <laughs> you just can't spend five hours in the model shop tinkering around with how this looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the episode is titled literally Gang of Outsiders. How do you feel about that title? Is it is it appropriate? Yeah. I mean, I think looking now i'd be like these guys would be anything but outsiders nerd mm-hmm. cultures in anyone and their mothers becoming an engineer you know i think but i you know i going back i it's all the stereotypes you hear of the 70s and like stuff like that and even like what people got teased about in the 90s when i was growing up i was like i'm sure they're outsiders also they're sitting there and they're talking about ideas in their head that no one can even conceptually realize mm-hmm. like that puts people either off or the people lean in. And so yeah, I could see yeah. them kind of getting lost in their own worlds. I, I, I'm sure that happens a lot. They get lo- definitely get lost in their own worlds. It's, it was amazing to me to see how much like home footage they had. Like these people in the fifties and sixties using these like home cameras and somehow making these special effects just in their backyards because they wanted to and were inspired by the likes of like Ray Harryhausen and another film King Kong came up so frequently in this episode and like from us at home to see them do this in like the 50s 60s and have this like portfolio of cool stuff and stop motion and all that stuff whereas I'm I struggle to make a TikTok where it's it basically does it for you and you're like push the button record how do I edit this together? Mm-hmm. All that without the stuff that we have now. I mean, it's almost you take it for granted, but it helps me at home to really appreciate the work that they did and how, how much pioneers they were. These were people that literally had interests and likes into all these different avenues, car parts, movies, photography, art, yeah. meld this all together. And then whoop, you get ILM. Yeah, I think... It's so impressive, one, because as someone who doesn't know the film industry, doesn't know the tech 
behind it in terms of, or even like concepts of like what it means to edit film, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. how we did it before and how we do it now. Yeah, it was super impressive. Also, these kids were just like getting magazines and reading an article and then like had this burning desire to figure out <laughs> yeah. how to do it themselves. I think, I think they're just such creative, creative problem solvers and, and they remind me of Albert Einstein in the sense, like I was listening to something and they said the, the best thing about Albert Einstein is that he asked good questions. Mm-hmm. He was so creative in his questions. And then because he answered questions, then you start just going down a path of trying to figure it out. And that unlocked modern day physics. These people were asking questions about how to do things, how to make things better, how to make things more realistic. And those questions unlocked a whole new industry. And so mm-hmm. I think, and they started when they were like 15, you know, it was, it was yeah. so impressive. Impressive is the word of the very, day. Very, very impressive. Well, I mean, that's going to be the word of the series, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what did what? they just say? Excuse me, pause <laughs> that. We need to rewind. Is, is that what he said there? Super glue? <laughs> um, so ILM really in the early days certainly had a unique workplace culture about itself. Do you think that you could have survived or handled that environment knowing yourself today and your preferences? Uh, <laughs> as I am today in this As moment, you are today, yes. See, that's a really hard question. Like if you had asked me, I did AmeriCorps when I was like mm-hmm. 22, mm-hmm. 23. And that's a no life. You work from seven to seven and your friends are the people you work with. And like, I loved that culture. I thrived in it. I really like feeling like I'm part of a bigger, something bigger than myself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, nowadays, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd want that. Um, one, there'd be a lot of pressure to participate to like relationships, just suffer. Like everything is pause. Everything, mm-hmm. uh, every other part of your life is pause. I don't know if I'd want to pause my life now. Um, that being said at the same time though, like if you knew you were on the cutting edge of like, if I knew I was on the cutting edge of something and like changing how the world works, I don't, it might be worth it. It's interesting because I would argue, I don't know if they knew that (laughs) they were on the cutting edge of changing the world. I think some of them probably just were like, this is a fun job. We'll do this for six months and see. I don't know. I think so. Like they maybe in hindsight this... they they reflect on it that way, but I don't know if in the moment they were like this sci-fi picture is going to change change, change the world. Oh, I don't think they knew what Star Wars was, but yeah. I was thinking more of like how John Dexter was talking about the technology they were building. Like they were very oh, aware yeah. they were building from scratch and that it had never been done before, and there were like barriers being broken. Yeah, I would say John and Richard knew that they were probably pushing bounds. I don't know if like Lauren in the model shop was really <laughs> or sure. or Joe who is like this took off an hour from my commute. Yeah. This is why I took this job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, if it, if it, I don't know, if I was that passionate about the work, I guess that's another angle I could take Mm -hmm. is like just that passionate. Like, can you really stop yourself from doing something if you're that passionate? Yes. Is it possible? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Would you? They got, they got, I think they just, well, I think at their age, I could have because no, home a lot of them didn't have home obligations like families kids are you calling me an obligation no i'm calling you um (laughs) the best part of my life that i get to have 
and enjoy each and every day. And that's something I want to be a part of, right? It's those people are, wow. I'm sorry. Oh boy. Coffee. Oh boy. There we go. It's all on camera now. Well, it would have been. We knew how to operate one. We know. Yeah, exactly. We're not these geniuses. I don't know. Well, that's what we have a uh, washer and dryer for. Yep. In order to to get those stains out and all that. Oh boy. All the all the fun stuff that we record while <laughs> we do all this. You're hearing it unaltered, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, a lot of these people didn't have like those those these things at home that like pushes them pulls them away right they don't have they didn't have to be take the kids to the school and pick them up and take them to soccer yeah. practice and all yeah. that stuff so you know they're they were fortunate they were also right place right time where they were able to work those 12 hour days lay the foundation for all this technical work that needed to be done and it's also like i don't know the only thing that i don't think i could have handled is potentially the 100 plus degree weather working environment that they had and that's on air conditioned space Ooh. that that may have been my like do we really like this can but i do 12 they... hours a day here i know they give me pizza once a week or <laughs> i don't think they give them pizza <laughs> that time but like i know we have this like slip and slide <laughs> <laughs> now we're i mean it's just funny thinking like how nowadays when people are like what can i do to get people to return to the office is it, can I give them a five course meal every week or something? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas these people are like, we had a slip and slide that uh, my dad bought of an old parachute or some yeah, you know, army, air, surplus. army surplus thing that we turned into a slip and slide. Or we bought this like tub from the army surplus store and filled it up with cold water. We take a dip in it at 12 and then go back to work for another eight hours. <laughs> I mean, I think the difference is like the... One, I think people were finally seeing that they could maybe build careers out of things they loved, which is a very motivating yes. factor. Yes. And two, they're artists. Like, that's what artists do. Yeah. They do whatever they can to create art. And so, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of an analogy. And I think if, like, one of your favorite bands was like, hey, come play with us. And it's in a warehouse and it's hot. I oh, think uh, yeah. I think, no. I think you, yeah. So I think if you put yourself in that mindset, you'd be like, yeah. If you're passionate and you believe in it, you will be able to do anything. Yeah. But knowing what these people were in for, like, let's say Star Wars wasn't a thing yet. You don't have that attachment to it. This is just another sci-fi movie picture that you've been hired for six months for. Maybe at month three or four, it may be a little taxing on the body. Yeah, it would be interesting to learn from them, like, what the attrition rate is, yeah. right? But also acknowledging that this culture did not stay forever. Exactly. Yeah. This was very much the first movie. It's very much a startup. <laughs> the startup. Yeah. <laughs> the startup hours and all that. Yeah. All right. Great. Great. Um, so would you say that this is the episode that challenged your perceptions of technology the least? Like you understood for the most part, everything that they were putting together. Like this is the one that least challenged your like what is that? We had the least amount of pauses, I would say, in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's a very foundational episode. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I understand it. Again, do I really know how movies are made? No. <laughs> I'm the kind of person where, like, I'm not going to know it, but I'm hoping if you explain it to me, I can at least start to grasp mm -hmm, it. And mm -hmm. here... I was like, oh, they're building cameras. They're building systems yes. to make sure the camera can move. They have to take the lighting into account. Oh, they're doing stop motion. Like these concepts I am aware of and I understand 
basic things they have eight like points basic a through z points they have to do to Mm -hmm. get to the finished product Mm -hmm. that is not the case in other episodes that is not the case i think i have a better understanding after watching all six episodes (laughs) i'm not a computer (laughs) software engineer i'm not even my my interest in computers goes to the sims and then it stops (laughs) yeah so but not that I'm willing to learn new technologies. I'm going to put that up. Did you did you have a MySpace back in the day? No, I was not allowed to. I, I figure I, if you'd have been allowed to, that would have forced you to become a basic coder. <laughs> I've done some basic coding and yeah. I hated it. So, but it's, I mean, but I can sit there and talk to people who are passionate about computers all day mm-hmm. because it's infectious. Yeah, you're, you're a communicator, but to be in the weeds of, what it all is maybe you you're in the right profession for what you want to do yeah i'll learn project management software and that's it yes yes um were you intrigued more by all this stuff like were you like oh i could dig into this more and oh yeah i I think in a different life i was in this (laughs) i mean that was my one of my potential career choices was film school yeah so this was stuff I was almost thinking I was going to do one day. And then yeah. I realized I didn't have the wherewithal to want to do all the, the coding and stuff. I think some of these guys got lucky that all they had to know was car engines. And so, I mean, not like that, like that's like the easiest thing to grasp either, but it wasn't like car engines plus knowing how to run a superconductor computer and how to, yeah. the, the ins and outs of all that ACDC technology. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I was still impressed though that like, it wasn't just like, Oh, we know how to operate a camera. We know how to edit. Yes. We know how to light. We know how to do stop motion, but it was like, we know how to construct. They built computers. They, they literally eventually. Yeah. But you get, yeah. Later they built on. computer. Yeah. No, no. In this episode, he says they were building some computers. That's John Dykstra. Two. Did you watch two episodes yesterday? No. Oh, I thought yesterday I heard um, that he they were building some computers. Hmm, not yet. Um, <laughs> but they were building cameras. You know, they were constructing things to hold the the models up. They were. I mean, that you had to understand engines, construction, mm-hmm. like playing around with like phys- like physics and stuff like that. I was just like, that's a lot. It's a lot. It to is know. a lot. There's a lot. You got. You got to be. A l- the only way you get that is by life experience, and it's just like all these people just spend time in their garages tinkering with, mm-hmm. with engines and watching movies and reading these magazines. Right. It's just like these people Curious were created solvers. for these for this job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Curious problem solvers. They had all the. This is the one time in their lives where they were able to take all these different mini hobbies that they had and expertises that they had in these areas, and then were able to apply it something functional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is when your parents are like, "What are you ever going to use this for? How dare you be in this garage spending all this time doing here? You need to get yourself a job." I'm like, mom, I am going to get a job one day with this. They had no idea though. They had no idea. They okay. they didn't have any idea. Well, you talked a little bit about. The camera, the, the motion control camera was the big tech reveal innovation of this episode. Uh, I think they call it the Dijkstra Flex. What do you think of this technology? Is it really something that our brains can comprehend the science behind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's having the camera move instead of the object. So you can control mo- more of the external factors like light and things like that. Yeah. I would say... For me, it's not like it's a, 
I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, there's, we had smartphones and we have so much technology now. Mm -hmm. I've always seen CG in movies and stuff like that. And so it's not like this crazy reveal of, oh, there's a new camera that, you know, it's just, it doesn't, on the surface, it doesn't seem impressive, right? Because it's just so basic. Yeah. But then you realize they're in an era where super glue wasn't invented. Like, <laughs> well, it is, but you just can't get it. You just can't, yeah, or it's invented, but it's like military grade. You need to have like <laughs> it's a military secret. You have to go to the Fort Knox in order to get yeah. super glue. <laughs> like it was just, I think, un like, I sit there and I try to think about like original ideas. It's really hard nowadays to think of an original mm-hmm. idea, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine it was even that much less hard back then Mm -hmm. you know what you know and it's hard to it's hard to think beyond that and dream beyond that and these people did they they didn't say like oh this is how it worked like it could work x and they had a vision for it um and i think that's also why it's impressive to see george lucas because to see his vision Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i think it's easy i I don't think it's easy (laughs) i think it i could comprehend it and i'm it's probably the easiest thing that they'll create that is comprehensible consider myself to be average in that sense so i yeah i think but i think what was impressive was just realizing where they were starting from Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was so low compared to what i grew up with it's crazy to think that like the special sauce and glue of star wars is this camera that moves around the object, right? Like, it's like... I think it's the next episode or something, but when they talk about how it was so cool to flip the camera or flip the model upside down and go super close to mm-hmm. it, and that's how they got to scale, like, yep. that is the kind of problem For solving. For the opening scene, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of problem solving I can understand. Because I'm like, oh, how do we make a small object look big? Well, we're going to do this perspective, zoom in, have mm-hmm. something for reference to trick your mind into thinking it's huge. That are These are concepts I can follow. <laughs> Photoshop in your garage is, is not one of those concepts of the other, no, other end not. of the spectrum. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know. All right, Elise. Well, I have one last question about the first episode of the Light and Magic documentary series. Clearly, at the end of this episode, the work is not going well. They have two shots that they've presented to George. And the episode ends on an epic cliffhanger, if I will say so myself. You were so happy. George Lucas crossing his arms, just looking at the camera and saying, I was not happy. Well, can I do the George voice? Yeah. I was not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you were George... And all everything had been going poorly to this point, both the shoot in England, the visual effects work that is really going to make this all glue together. And you came back and you saw that either this is going to be like, all right, at least they probably have some very innovative things done. I'm ready to see this. I'm ready to be wowed. You, you probably hyped yourself up for the day, got yourself on your special flannel shirt and all that. You, combed your hair just the right way you know you, you, do you think he did today, all this oh yes you're ready to go you're like finally it's gonna be my big break right here everything's just gonna come together they got those two shots <laughs> six months of work half the budget spent 
how would you react if you were George in that situation? Would it be the same way? Uh, there's a lot of factors there. <laughs> One, I think if I'm, I've never been under that amount of pressure. <laughs> so I think I would be crumbling anyways. I think at some point in the day, I'm going to the bathroom to cry. Like, I just need to release that tension. It's okay if George did, too. <laughs> we, I, we don't, we don't, we respect that. Happy hour would have been all night. Um, <laughs> that being said, I'd be like, George, did you ask, did John lie to you about progress? Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. know. Yeah, what was the communication back and or forth? Or were you for just that? trusting that that happened and there was no one there to make sure? Because like, mm-hmm. at that point, I'm like, George, you dummy. You get a bunch of nerds, open, open, <laughs> free will, fr- like freedom to do what they need to, to create this giant sci-fi movie. And you don't have anyone checking in and make sure they're adhering to all the technical, like all of the project management stuff. That's silly, George. At the same, yeah. but if oversight there, on his part, probably. Yeah, but if there were some, like, if there were some communication points and it probably wasn't reflected accurately then I'd be a little, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm being firm. I don't know. They were very PC in how they talked about this disagreement (laughs) between John Dykstra and and George Lucas. I would be firm. Now, if I were John, on the other hand, I'd be like listing out everything we had to create from scratch to be like, we have to put good projects, right? You do... 60, 70% of the work up front to make the system run smoothly. Now you're always iterating and you're always trying to make it better and you don't need to have a perfect product, but for a film, it has to be pretty close. Mm -hmm. So you need to at least be like, hey, everything took this, I would be explaining it. I don't think they have the personalities to do that. (laughs) I think they have personalities where they probably got mad. And And they were men in the 70s that did not communicate with each other. Would I communicate as a man in the 70s? Absolutely not. That's not who I am. I don't think that's not what I would have been. Would I have been firm? Yes. Do I think they probably just went in saying, figure it out, and then they're like, yeah, sure. I don't want to, like, say they're dumb boys, but I think they were dumb boys. Like, I really do. That being said. A little bullheaded, probably, yeah. George Lucas, you could tell us is still frustrated by that moment <laughs> years years he's lucky that it all turned out correctly but there's still some like <sighs> it's okay there's yeah. this piece of ptsd almost from having that yeah. i don't know would you <laughs> i think i would probably said exactly well i think um there was some like audio of like younger george maybe like a year later you know once star wars had come out and they're like maybe doing the first like audio documentary or something like that, or an, an interview and being like, tell us how this all came together. And he's like, he basically tells most of the story where he's like, I went to their office and they showed me this and he's a bit more frustrated in this. Like the, the anger is still in this when he's forced to remember yeah. all this. And he's like, he's like, what are you, what have you been doing? For life? <laughs> That's probably what I would be more like. It would almost be like an uncontrolled, like 30 seconds there of just like, you don't know what's spewing out of your mouth. It's like, what? You're just trying to, you're verbally processing everything and just your word spaghettiing across the wall. That's probably how I would do it, where it's just like, what have you been doing? Like, what are you all doing? What's this? How are you doing this? What are you working 12 hours a day? Are you just taking ice baths? What's happening here? Yeah, and then I it'd, it'd be you. people weathering the storm around it for maybe 30 seconds to a minute. And then I'd be like, ah, okay. 
okay, we're going to get through this. I needed to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say in an ideal world, I would have been communicating and I would have been a dumb <laughs> boy, but George seemed like he was under a lot of pressure for lot. months and months and months. And I don't know if that's just his personality yeah. or if that's actually how bad the set was. So <laughs> the set was, let's just say, not great at all. Like, no one. <laughs> at all there's no silver lining they, they only talk about the england shoot when they reference like oh george is off in england but there was also the tunisia aspect from the tatooine scenes that were just horrendous the heat the the actors not pay you know not giving their full attention and 100 percent effort into it the effects not working poor anthony daniels and 3po in the 100 degree tunisia weather with all that yeah. outfit on Poor Kenny Baker and the R2 thing is not working. And then to go to London where they're at the studio and the unions get involved. And George is like, I'm under a deadline here to get this film out and done. And I have to go check on the special effects, which hopefully they're working good over there. But their union's like, all right, five o'clock. We're done. Monday through Friday. We only do this. And he's like, wait, wait, we, we need one more, one more, one more shot. <laughs> Yeah. Please. And they're like, nope. Union orders. <laughs> it's, it sounds like. No overtime. Of, it sounds like a lot of pressure. But I'm also like, I think, again, like leadership styles, personalities, there are pros and cons yeah. to everything. And like yeah. giving people free reign to be creative and fail and problem solve is awesome. It also is probably a little naive that that's going to fall under yeah. a certain budget, a certain <laughs> timeline without support so part of me is like yeah that's tough the other part is like well <laughs> did yeah. you do planning yeah. yeah did you plan did you um, put a put a plan together did you put deadlines in order the second thing though the final thing i'll say too is i i have to be a little critical just because this is a group of very talented young white men mm -hmm. yeah yeah I know it was difficult to make the movie, I think compared probably to other filmmakers. Again, I don't really know film history, so I could be talking out of my butt on this, but like he got funding pretty easily, it seems like. George? Yeah. No. He had to shop this around a lot. And if it wasn't for American Graffiti. That's what I'm saying. Like he made one movie that people loved. I would say other artists, like directors of color, you know, oh, I mean, in like, that regard, he was definitely like, seen as like the next up and coming big thing in Hollywood, along with some of his yeah, other like, white friends, right? There yeah. was a lot of cash behind. I mean, is the industry difficult in general? Yes. Does that does it mean he didn't struggle? No. But mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, was it one of the easier routes just by the nature of where he went to school and his friends and and the cash alongside that group's name? Like maybe. Maybe. It's a Maybe larger indeed. discussion. It is indeed. Well, Light and Magic, it's off to an incredible start with this first episode. And it really hooks you on as, as a viewer. It, 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 that cliffhanger begs you to immediately go to the next episode. Because although we know at home what, what happens, right? We know Star Wars is a smashing success. We know ILM goes on to... Hopefully they don't have their offices open today on the Saturday that we're recording, but 
you know, there might be people in there tinkering about. So it's still a working, functioning studio that is very much involved with all the Hollywood projects of possible today. But wow, what a what a great start. It's such a great human interest story, mm-hmm. at least in the beginning. These characters, like these engineers and these workshop people, like they're just so they're so fun to get to know. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, oh, I would be excited to meet them at a convention or something. We tried. They had the light and magic panel at uh, at celebration. They were kind of doing like a panel. They had them all like we did for Thursday. Yeah, yeah. But we, we didn't get in that like, lottery, unfortunately. That would have been cool. I guess yeah. my point is like I would be just as excited to meet some of them as I would. Yes, yeah. Like now, that now that you have a bit more names to faces and stuff like yeah. that, you'd be. They'd be really fun to get a drink with and like pick their brain. About stuff. <laughs> Let's just say that. I'm sure they got stories for days about anything and everything. They'd have the best small talk. You'd be like, "Tell me about ET," and they'd be like, "Oh, that." putting together the spaceship and all that. <laughs> Boy, was that some long hours putting that together. And then I'd just be like, well, if I just use some wood sticks and chips and toothpicks, you know, it puts it all together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We just found this thing called glue that doesn't move. Yeah, it allows me to put this pencil on the edge of the table just a little bit. And it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Time travel. They really <laughs> lean into the magic part, and I love it. So highly recommend watching. Highly recommend checking out the first episode. Elise, thank you so much for joining us on our discussion on the first episode of Light and Magic. To our listeners at home, she will be joining us for episode three, three? and six. And six. Okay, I was like three and four. I didn't. We, we said the middle, so I was like, hey, you're splitting the differences. So it does three or semantics, four, but we'll shoot for three right now. Okay. <laughs> um. So. Back by popular demand, she will be back for more episodes of Horse Ghost Conversations to talk light and magic as it gets more complicated. <laughs> this is, yeah, I'm going to have less to say. This is as easy as it gets. <laughs> uh, you're going to have, a, I don't know if less to say, you're just going to keep saying over and over again, what did they, what? <laughs> I know, I know. How? Who? Well, get ready, folks. Get ready for me just asking questions continuously. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we're always, always learning here. And that's a lot of fun. That is part of the magic behind special effects. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Elise. Uh, and we look forward to having you on future episodes of Forest Ghost Conversations and, and, and in the light and magic space. I love you more and most. Goodbye. I get, I'm in charge of the <laughs> recording button here. So I actually get to say love you more and most. Bye.